Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome back to Growing in Grace. I'm Victor Morrison at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. I want to talk about the mystery of God's sovereignty. You know, sometimes it blows me away how sovereign God is. For example, I said that I serve as the pastor here at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. I was married in this church when I was just a seminary student in, on August the 10th, 1985. And what just blows me away is after serving in Canada, then serving in Japan, where did God lead me and my wife to come back to? Right here to Columbus, Texas. I'm from Tennessee. She's from Houston, Texas. And so it's just amazing how God led us right back here. But, you know, his sovereignty is hard for us to understand. He doesn't always do things the way we would think he would do them. And sometimes he's so far out there, we don't even, we, we can't even wrap our minds around how he totally can go past the laws of nature and so forth. You know, it says in Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Man, I mean, that's just trying to tell us he's going to be outside the box as far as our thinking is from time to time, maybe all the time, and we just don't always realize it. But he certainly was in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 down through verse 33. Jesus is going to be walking on water. Now you may say, hey, that can't be. I've never seen anybody walk on water. Well, neither have I. I know my brother got close when we were at Gulf Shores one summer together and we were enjoying boogie boarding and someone yelled shark. And I thought that my brother walked on water getting out of there really quickly, but I don't think he did. But here's the thing. Jesus can go above any, any of the laws of nature that he set into place. He can go above them at any time he wants. It's comforting to me to know that whatever my problems are, they're still under the feet of Jesus. I want you to listen to this uh, passage, and then I want to point out four things that would have seemed mysterious to the disciples of the Lord who were right there on this particular day. It says in Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the 
fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I want to talk about the mystery of God's sovereignty. Perhaps it's something you're struggling with right now. Do you know that Matthew, in his gospel alone, records 20 different miracles that Jesus had performed. As a matter of fact, in this same chapter, in Matthew chapter 14, just before he walks on the water, he also took five loaves of bread and two fish, and he fed over 5,000 people. I would say that's a miracle. And now he's going to walk on the water These are miracles number 13 and miracle number 14, if one was counting when he goes through the Gospel of Matthew. So here they are after a long day of teaching. They're near the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus says, you know what? It's time to say goodbye, not only to the crowds, but also to the disciples. So it tells us at the beginning of this text that he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. I got to thinking how sometimes God's will, God's plan, what he allows and what his preferences are, all of that can sometimes seem to us so mysterious. I mean, if you've got a big crowd, don't you want to draw a crowd? Why would you send the crowd away now? It says immediately, you know, sometimes God's will is, okay, it's time to move forward. It's time to step back. It's time to be still. But God's got a timetable. And sometimes we struggle with the mystery of his will when it comes to his timing, because it begins in verse 22 with that word, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. But how about this? It doesn't sound to me like they had an option here. It says he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. You know, sometimes I think we can uh, sort of treat Jesus how we would like to have a lot of selection, a lot of options and so forth. And yet some of his will, I mean, Let's face it, maybe he gives us, hey, what shirt would you like to wear today? You know, or what shoes would you like to wear to work this week? That might be within our jurisdiction, but some things he says, this is what I want you to do, and there's no choice about it. And so just think, sometimes 
his will can seem so mysterious when we're thinking, wait a minute, he didn't even give me an option. And how about this? I mean, normally Jesus spent a lot of time, I mean, lots of time with people, right? But if I understand what's happening in this text, it seems to me like he's putting prayer to the Father above time with people. Do you ever do that? Or do you feel like that you always have to be available to people? Wow. I heard one man say one time, the guy that's always available to people will not be a whole lot of help to them because he's not ever going to spend time alone with the Lord, sort of, you know, replenishing uh, his reserves. But it says quite clearly here that once he dismisses the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And I thought about that. And I thought, wow, is it ever possible that the Lord in his will would rank for us a time when we could be alone and have private time that would be above public time? Or should we always choose people every single time? Well, that's what I'm trying to say. I think that there are times his will may seem mysterious, but God may say, why don't you come away for a while? I want you to just be with me and to be renewed. I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago that we really need something like that every day. So that's why I have a daily time with the Lord. But I also learned that in addition to every day, I think I need a day every week when I can say, okay, I'm going to uh, just let this day be a day to relax or to get things done that I need to get done in my own life, not in my ministry. Do you know, I heard a, a funny story a long time ago about uh, one pastor that told this lady that he uh, took Monday as his day off. And she said to him, look, I don't know why you feel you need a day off, pastor, because the devil never takes a day off. And the pastor replied to the lady very respectfully, but very straight. He said, I know. And if I don't take a day off, I'll be just like the devil. So anyway, I think all of us need some time away, but it's just hard to ever get it in our mind that his will could actually prioritize private time, prayer time, prioritize obedience over options. And it's like, okay, this is urgent. He's saying we need to take care of this right now, not later. So anyway, just wanted to say for us, sometimes that's the higher thoughts. Those are the higher thoughts. Those are the higher ways for us. But let's move from the mysterious will of the master and look at the mysterious wind against the master. Now, keep in mind, these are Jesus' disciples. This is a mission Jesus had sent them on. They were going to cross the, the uh, Sea of Galilee. He was telling them to do that. And he said, I will meet you on the other side. But did you notice what happened? It says that the wind was against them in verse 24. The wind was against them. I thought that if I do what God wants me to do, then the wind will be for me, not against me. I didn't think 
that doing what God wants would cause me to ever have any kind of difficulty, hard time, and so forth. Well, I just want to remind you that sometimes the mysterious wind is the direction of a particular storm. Maybe God wants us to do something, and then it's tough right after we do it. Some of my best friends in Japan, when we served there as missionaries, they were told they were going to be deployed uh, to Kobe, and they were going to go there for language school. So we prayed for them. We were excited for them as they were going to go to Kobe. Three days after they moved to Kobe, perhaps you remember a long time ago, several years ago, there was a terrible earthquake that hit uh, that whole area that they called Kanshin. But it hit Kobe, and it hit their apartment, and there was a lot of destruction and a lot of heartache. How could that be God's will for them to go there in the direction of that storm? I also thought, this is really sad, because whenever this mysterious windstorm occurred, they were well into the trip across the lake. You know, as a matter of fact, most Bible scholars say one direction it was seven miles, the other direction it was 13 miles across the Sea of Galilee. So at least we could probably safely say that they were three miles out. You know, that's a long way to have to swim through choppy water. So all I'm saying is sometimes the mysterious wind that can blow against the master, against his disciples, against his work, it can happen at the worst time when we're way away from the safety that we would normally be able to say, okay, shore's not too far away. But then I thought about the dangers from the sea. It says the waves were really high. They were tossed by the waves. And so once again, this is all happening to God's people. Maybe it's happening in your life. Maybe it's causing you to question a lot of things and you're saying, wait a minute, if God was for me, why would he do all this? You know, in my own quiet time uh, yesterday morning, I read where the Lord clearly led the people during the days of Moses to camp in a place called Rephidim. But when they got to Rephidim, they discovered there's no water here. Why are we camping here? And so the people began to complain, and it was really a difficult situation. But sometimes we, we question, and we, we instead of trusting, we begin to doubt, and we think, what's going on? And so all of this began to cause Peter to have some doubts. Whenever he goes walking toward Jesus, what happened? Well, he was doing okay as long as he was focused on the Lord. But it says when he saw the wind— he became frightened. He began to sink, and he had to cry out, Lord, save me. You know, sometimes we can have doubts because we're trying to be in the middle of God's will, and we just don't understand all these different things that are taking place around us. And here's Peter. Now he's sinking. And so what happens? Well, thankfully, he's delivered by the Savior. Can you imagine? It says that immediately Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him. Wow. And But he did say, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? You know, boy, that's a tough one to answer, isn't it? It kind of reminds me about the whole walk. 
you know, sometimes I think the third thing is not so much the circumstances, the winds that can be against God's people, but how about the walk that the Lord calls us to walk in life? Everybody's walk with him is not the same. You know, as a matter of fact, when Jesus came walking to these men that were in the boat, it says it was the fourth watch of the night. How good are you at walking in the dark? I mean, I don't think there would have been a lot of light out there. It's a storm, so I'm assuming the moonlight wouldn't have been uh, very, very bright. And so the fourth watch of the night was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So Peter gets out of the boat at a time when Jesus is walking on the water, and all of this is walking with him through the darkness. Is it dark in your life right now? Will you trust him? Will you walk with Jesus as, he, as you and he walk together through the darkness? But also he's walking on the sea. Will you walk with Jesus through those difficulties? Peter became distressed, didn't he? Will you walk with him through distress? It says that he was troubled and he was afraid. And when Jesus spoke to him, he actually addressed his fear. And he said, Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's me. So I just wanted to say, we need to say, Lord, help me walk with you through whatever worries and fears and stress that I'm feeling in my life. But we also have to keep our eyes on him when we're walking with him. He'll help us to walk through all the distractions. Maybe there's so many things blowing around in your life. And so all I'm saying is just keep your eyes on the Lord and he will help you to walk through there. Even if you experience some defeat, it's okay. That's why we need a savior. He's able to help us whenever we begin to sink. But we just need to say, okay, Lord, I want to continue to walk with you. So sometimes the, the life that he's called us to walk with him through, it can be so mysterious, that walk. It can also be mysterious when it comes to the wind of our circumstances and difficulties. We can feel like, if I'm doing what God wanted me to do, why is everything against me? I remember one time Jacob saying, everything is against me. Do you feel that way in your life? It may be time for a deeper level of trust than just that all the circumstances are smooth and smooth sailing and so forth. Well, the other thing is the mysterious will of God. Sometimes we just simply don't understand why he would say, okay, I need you to make this move. I need you to do this right now. And you're saying, what? I don't understand. And so all these different kinds of things can definitely uh, tag us in our faith. But we just need to simply walk in humble obedience and surrender and trust. And we'll stay, we'll stay up with him. But there also can be a mysterious worship of the master. You know, uh, I love our worship times at First Baptist in Columbus. I feel like that our congregation is really beginning to understand that worship, it's not about all the externals. Worship is about our heart. Worship is about praising the Lord and who He is, keeping our focus on Him. You can do that with a hymn. You can do that with uh, praise and worship 
songs. Uh, you can do that with your hands lifted up. You can do that with your hands to your side. You can do that with your eyes open and with your eyes closed. But the main thing is, I'm coming to God to say, I want to worship you because I know who you are. But sometimes the problem is we've not spent enough time to truly recognize who God is, to know his character, to know his, his attributes. You know, I, I really recommend a book by uh, A.W. Tozer on the attributes of God. I've led our uh, church family through that study. There's a two volumes set, and uh, we went through there, but it definitely reminds us of who the Lord is. But let's look at this text. What do we see happening whenever we're in this text? I can tell you what I see. I see some men who are not ready to worship. They're so afraid. And why are they afraid? Well, they're afraid because one moment they're calling Jesus a ghost, and the next moment they're calling him God. I want us to think that about when they were calling him a ghost, what was happening? They never expected Jesus to meet them out there on that Sea of Galilee and on those waves and in the midst of that storm. They didn't believe that God was that real, that he could help them like that. They thought he was still on the shore. How could Jesus meet them out there? He wasn't in the boat with them, but Jesus was there. You see, even when we can't see him, he can see us. He knew those disciples were struggling out there, and that's why he went to them at that time. But they were so disoriented that they were able to say, you know what? This is a ghost. There's no way this could be the Lord. Is there any circumstance in your life that you're thinking right now, you're assuming there's no way that God could be in this? There's no way that God could be over this? There's no way that the Lord is anywhere around this? Well, wait just a minute. They thought the same thing. And yet, what did Jesus say to them? He said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Wow. So it's no wonder once Peter, they get Peter back in the boat in verse 33, we read these words. Well, let me read 32 as well. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now that right there got their attention. Who can make the wind <laughs> die down like that? And those in the boat, worshiped him. They worshiped him. They're no longer afraid of him now. They know who he is. It says they worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Truly you are the son of God. Wow. I thought to myself, you know what? They're convinced now. Are you convinced that God is sovereign? Are you convinced that he is the Lord of Lords, that actually he can work all things together for a good purpose, according to his purposes and so forth. That's exactly what he can do. He works all things together according to the counsel of his will. It's hard for us to understand that. But if we can ever by faith stand on that, then you know what happens? We begin to worship him even in the middle of, of a very turbulent life, we can say, God, I have my eyes on you, and I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God. I believe with all my heart that nothing is too difficult for you. I believe with all my heart 
that all authority has been entrusted to you in heaven and on earth. And so it causes us to bow down and to worship him. You know, maybe that's what our hard knocks and so forth are all about. Maybe God is trying to remind us that even in our difficult circumstances, he's still Lord. He's still worthy. He should still be worshiped. He should still be trust. We should still say, I'll walk with you even out here in these angry waves. Wow. That is some real true uh, Christianity right there. Friend, I just want to remind you that even though we don't always understand the sovereignty of God, and it may seem like a great mystery to us, we can trust him because his word is so clear and his word always tells us the truth, the truth about him, the truth about our identity, the truth about our circumstances, and definitely get this, the truth about your future. Yes, the truth about your past, it's forgiven, it's already gone, you've lived that already, but you know what? God's got a great future out there ahead. Will you trust him for that? Will you trust him right now in the present and say, Lord, I don't understand what you're telling me to do. Lord, I don't understand why all these things are happening. It seems like everything's against me. Or, Lord, I don't understand why you're asking me to get out of the boat and to walk out there on that water. There's no way. But someday you're going to be worshiping the Lord and you're going to say, now I know, I know that truly you are the Lord God. So I want us to pray to close our time together. I hope you'll remember Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. You know, this really happened. This miracle is something that only the Son of God could do. The Bible's not saying everybody else can do that. But what the Bible is saying is, Jesus sure can. If he can do that, what can he not do in your life? You know, I believe the Lord wants to walk with us through whatever we're going through right now. So why don't we pray about that together? Lord, I thank you so much for passages like this. They remind us that you're not limited to our ability. Lord, you can go beyond our ability. All things are possible for you. And so I thank you that you are the Son of God. You are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You are, Father, the Lord God, the Almighty. And so help us to realize that you have a great plan and your plan is being fulfilled day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, generation by generation, country by country. Thank you so much that we can relax. We can go ahead and resign from being the CEO of the universe. You've got that under control. Help us to just be so comfortable and so surrendered and saying, I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a servant of the Most High God. Lord, thank you for loving us. I pray that you would just comfort any of my friends that are going through a difficult time. Let them know that you are there with them, even in the midst of all the storms that they may be going through. And so strengthen them. Strengthen them uh, in the inner person of the heart and the spirit. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for these times that we share together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm so glad you could be with us. I hope you'll come back to Growing in Grace 
and we can spend some more time together looking at God's Word. Have a great day. God bless you. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.